Smartcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have you, like, on some bullshit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, girl, so sup? <laughs> and then they just What are you doing? No. And you're like, I want, I'm supposed to drive the conversation. You're the host. I really am my age, though. Yeah. I, I, no, I just Listen, realized I'm my whole I age. Up, I appreciate every single year, too. Seriously. Every single year. I'm getting supple with age. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not becoming hardened, because there are some hard old bitches. You know, I love yeah. them. Actually, I don't. I mean, not lie. No, but I'm not getting <laughs> hard with age. <laughs> they get on my nerves. Yeah. Even when I love them, they get on my nerves. You're like, do no, the work, baby. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting more <laughs> supple, and being supple means doing less. Yeah. But it, people react to it like it's more. Uh, like the story I told you about the Uber driver. He was yeah, an asshole yeah, to me. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, you're an asshole. I'm disengaging. <laughs> yep. And here he is, like, juggling it. in the front seat, fire breathing. <laughs> I'm like, sir, we don't need to talk. I, don't, I was just telling someone that I like i have architected my entire life to avoid white shenanigans oh that's wow you should really market that yeah <laughs> that is there's a market for that it's called america wow and, and like i'm you know and you can't to some extent ever avoid it right yeah. but i've been doing so much stuff like i you know the i when i jumped out of code 2040 I like as I was building my consultancy, I was like, what I really want to focus on is leaders of color mm. leading multiracial organizations. People of color being gatekeepers is a game changer. Listen, and like I, I just know how hard it is. Like, I, I was, like, I spent what like a year in bed, and then when I came out of bed and was like, after having thought about everything, I was like, man, there's so many people. There's like entire industry about DEI, mm -hmm. which is like really about the segregation of high wage work and we don't talk about it that Ooh, way okay this feels like a segue into the hot topics with kim kardashian <laughs> all right this is the part where we <laughs> let's talk about capitalism light yeah, work you know light just, work. just light work on the first full day of spring um this is the part where you cue the music and let's have some water because right. i want to make sure that we are not parched for this one I felt a shiver go down my spine. You know, we're, we always go through hot topics. Mm -hmm. um, for those who are watching the show on YouTube, this is my good <laughs> friend, Carla. Who's known, Carla, how long have we known each other? Oof, since 2008, however many years that is. Yeah, how many years is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14. 14 years, yeah, yeah. That's the year I joined Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And we were just talking how we're always ourselves. Yeah. Wherever we go. Everywhere. You've always been Carla. You've always been Blue. And I think that that's what it is. This really is not a There's cold not a switch in sight. No, no, but I love I love anymore. what you were about to say about about just 
mm, how they gatekeep uh, high wage earnings. Because when I saw the Kim Kardashian thing, we're going right into hot topics. Yeah. The level of tone deafness, judgment, smugness, and privilege it takes. Yo. To, in the words of, I forgot who said it, but I was on another podcast with Bridget and Mandy, and they mentioned it, to start at third base yeah, man. and pontificate about a home run. And then within so, a week, within a week, have, have everybody who works for you call bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the folks who can't get in the park, yeah, you're waving a finger at them. Yeah. Like, I can't even get in the park yeah. to even be on a base. Yeah. But you started towards the end, yeah. and you want to say, you bitches don't want to work. Yeah. So I've been I've been changing my language. I don't talk about privilege anymore. I talk about power. Mm-hmm. And that, like, actually, when we're talking about privilege, it's really a conversation about power. We're mm-hmm. talking about people with a lot of power. Like, and I, like, I've made this whole scale on it. And Well, here's the thing that I have a question, then, if, you, if, if you're di- differentiating privilege and power. I'm surrounded by people who are powerful, but because of a lack of privilege, they still can't get access. So what do you call that gap when you're- I actually think it's a lack of power. But they're still black. Yes. Like it's, there are places where Mm -hmm. we do not, where people of color- Who are filthy rich still can't get in. Filthy rich. Yeah. Still don't have power. Yeah. Right? And we don't want to grapple with that because some of the ways in which, and like I can speak about this as a Latinx person Mm -hmm. from my community, right? Like I- have done coaching with people who mm-hmm. have who like uh celebrities with like power mm-hmm. who one struggle to reckon with the power that they do have right but, but the fact that they can't buy their way into whiteness yes because that's what that's what's interesting to me is i think watching when i lived in dc and working in like you know like inner city communities and disenfranchised folks i understood their power dynamics and how they felt disempowered yeah it's interesting when you come to L.A. and you're in these rooms with people who are technically billionaires yeah. complaining that they can't even, now that they have the money, they still can't buy their way into the room. into certain spaces because they're still going to be black or brown or whatever that's they are. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's kind of jarring because it also, and this is a question I've asked a couple of times of people that made me like get cussed out. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I always ask this, particularly of men of color. Mm-hmm. Do you really want freedom or do you just want your turn at being the oppressor? Listen. Because a lot of times, folks who think they can buy their way into the room yep. are trying to get away from the rest of us. Yeah. So did you want us all to be free or did you just yeah. want to get into the room and leave us behind? I mean, of course, they just wanted to get into the room. Like, I think that we mistake getting into the room with freedom. Yes. You can still be free, like the help in the yeah, room. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't understand when that happens. And like, listen, there is complexity here, right? Mm-hmm. Our people think we have more power than we do. Mm-hmm. And then we're clear why hasn't jay-z made the nfl stop being racist one black man from new york is going one black man from new york no matter how much money he has Mm -hmm. and who his wife is is not going to suddenly by himself make the sports organization that is the most like a plantation (laughs) literally there's overseers and like like black man dingoes running around while people are trading money and none of them get to own like it's literally a modern day plantation one black man not even hove can buy his way into that now I think that there is analysis to be done about like I mean there are no heroes under a capitalist sun right mm-hmm. everyone is making he's not above reproach he's not but above he, it's impossible for him to fix but it but he cannot fix it like, right and I think Barack of, Obama yeah. as the president yeah. and and he still couldn't fix it right? he still couldn't, couldn't fix, fix it. it right it's uh like that's where I think we don't understand the systemic and structural parts mm-hmm. and so then when we're trying to play a role in fixing it we're not clear on like the strategic 
thing that we're doing in that moment mm -hmm. and whether or not that strategy is to open the door further or to get ourselves in the door further. And because we don't like once you get to that level of success, I really think it just starts snowballing. Right. And so you're like, let me get in the next room. Let me get in the next room. And, and let me leave this back door open and that window open. And like, right. every, it's so weird for me when people were talking crap about the Obama administration and I had lived in DC at the time. So I was constantly going yeah, for press and the last like month that he was president before um, Trump took over, that was a bitter month for all of Yo, us. Yo, man. So many press releases came out to us about, he was freeing as many people that he could. <laughs> Anybody in jail with a dime bag that he could find or whatever, he was just like, get out, get out, no, get, get out. out yeah. And so watching the president act like Harriet Tubman, mm. trying to free random people of color mm. before he knew the Antichrist was taking over, yeah. shows you that he understood like, yo, oh, these are the shit's about to get real. And, and the calculus that he was making every single day yeah. that like, there is en enough freedom that I could give that would pull me out of this and the good that I could do would be done. Right. Yeah. And like, that's like, I listen, and I do not absolve him of the power he inherited in the legacy of the role that he, he had. But I also think we lack a realism about the limits mm -hmm. to the power we are allowed. It's physically impossible to work hard and become a billionaire. It's also physically impossible to be the first black president without having to play politics. That's absolutely right. And so people keep asking for things that are physically impossible, yeah. right? And so the same way, the same people who thought Barack Obama should have been able to fix everything in one term yeah. as a black man, yeah, are the same folks who suddenly understand how ridiculous it is that Kim Kardashian says work, says work harder. Yeah, <laughs> where was that nuance when you were mm, yeah. throwing tomato tomato at him? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just like, it's always so funny to me how the logic never changes, but we just pick and choose when we apply it. Mm. And I was, we know we're both Tauruses. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I've had a lot of Tauruses in the show. <laughs> Whenever I'm going through a transition, I'm like, where are the earth signs? I need to be held. <laughs> I just need to be held. And I was I'm born during the week of power. And it's so funny that you mentioned power because that word is a word that I have a love-hate relationship with. Yeah. Because it comes so easily to me, I always know I'm going to be in trouble because mm. I'm supposed to be disempowered. Yeah. And I think whenever you're a powerful woman, yeah. You know, I overheard me one time. You, I had just started working at our old employer. I'm not going to shout them out. I, I just refuse better to. Better for them. Yeah, it's better for them because we have <laughs> stories. Yeah. And I, it was you and Rachel and someone else, and you guys were turning the corner, and I had walked behind you. I don't think you had realized it. And you guys were talking about me. And I was like, this is perfect. I get to hear the new people. Like the people talk about me as the new girl. And then you were like, you said something to the effect of, she's like a force of nature. And I was like, oh, I don't even, is this tea or not? I don't even know yeah. what to do with this. Because I was like, like a tornado? Yeah. But it was one of those things where it was interesting. When you hear someone talking about you when they don't think you're around, there's yeah. a purity to that. Yeah. And I was like, and then and then a couple of months later, we had that um, professional development thing. And we had to do anonymous, like, uh, pep talks to each other. And I recognize yeah. your handwriting. And yours was, I hope that one day you can relax into your power. Those two moments were bookended for me, though. Mm. Because at the moment, I was a force of nature, but I hadn't relaxed into my power yet. Yeah. And that note that you sent me became like a call, like a, like mm -hmm. a challenge to me. Like, I'm going to find a place where I can relax into my power, mm -hmm. like where I can feel like not feel guilty about how much space I take up. Yeah. So I wanted to like, like thank you and give you your flowers Aww. for that because sometimes we pour into people 
and it's a throwaway because we're constantly pouring. Yeah. We got Taurus problems. Yeah. We're constantly <laughs> pouring to everybody, right? And then it's not until you meet somebody who is hella parched. Yeah. You're like, oh shit, that it, there is value in that. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to segue into the next hot topic because I feel like we, we've we already explained why Kim Kardashian said a very woefully oversimplified it's thing. Ridiculous. That she needs to never say again. Because she ain't never had no power a day in her life. So the school mask mandates have been lifted. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, for those who don't know you like I do, that you spent a year in bed. That's because of COVID and you had long COVID. A lot of folks do not understand long COVID. Every time someone says, well, not everybody dies from COVID. I said, there's other things other than dying that suck. Oh, yes. Dying is not the only bad case scenario when you have when you have it. Right. So that of the CDC is saying that, you know, people don't need masks anymore. And all you got to do is spray some Windex on it. And it'll go away. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening over there. Poor Dr. Fauci. I feel so bad for him. Not that they're saying walk the block and walk it off and wait 30 minutes uh, like a hard meal. How do you feel? I can't imagine. I'm already having freakouts. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like for you. Yeah. Can you explain to us what long COVID is and how yeah. it feels for someone for, with long COVID yeah. to watch the rest of us say, well, I'm tired of COVID, so it's over. Yeah, I am. Um, so I got sick with COVID on March 13th, 2020. So- like, damn, that's... The day, the stay of shelter in place in California. And Damn. there was already community spread happening and no one had told us, right? And in order to get tested, you wow. had to tell, you had to have had contact with someone from Italy or China as if community spread hadn't been happening, right? You got it from the the gate. The gate. Um, and then I spent two Ooh. months with what I would call acute COVID. So that was like, I had fevers between like 99.9 and 102.3 for two for two months um for and those then, who don't know anything about math or, or health that's like being the human equivalent of a honey baked ham yeah like, that's like hot. For that long absolutely um and then you know and then of course the breathing the oxygen like all of that like the, there were two times in that time frame where i thought genuinely like i'm gonna die and oh my god carla i wrote letters to everybody i was like if i don't make it out of here i just want to like I, I like I wrote in the places where I it was like a community. I wrote a letter to a community of the individuals. I wrote letters to individuals, probably like 25, 26, I think something like that letters that I wrote at that time. Oh, my gosh. And then I wasn't. And then once the fever ended after the second time I was in the hospital, um, then it I still didn't get better. I was having like shocks of pain in my calves my abdomen my chest were you ever were you ever worried that people weren't going to take you seriously because it, it, like oh well, technically if you don't if you're not diagnosed they anymore didn't. or it's a negative test and it's all in your head they didn't because folks can tell you things are in your oh, head for sure i mean and let me tell you being a plus-size latina in that environment go on a diet the covid will go away yes because doctors think that that's Listen, the answer to everything I like yeah. so we have i've found out since right that there's something called me cfs um, myoencephalitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, you which is teach a us. big, mm-hmm. big symptom in long COVID. Um, that means like if you go past the amount of energy you have to give, it will pull you back into bed, right? Like a battery pack that's gone that's empty. Right, that's right. And then it is like, well, you, we don't trust you with your battery pack, as your body saying, you know, and there are a lot of thoughts as to why that might be happening. This was happening to people before long COVID. And that community, the MECFS community, was telling people this is going to be a problem after COVID. Right. Some people are going to have post-viral illnesses. And no one listened to them. And then we found each other online. People who were not getting better were like, and this is where I'm like, the internet changed power. 
Mm-hmm. Because we could gather, we could push. Y'all could snitch in public. This like, look, right. they lying to all of y'all. That's right. That's right. And so we did. And, um, you know, and started to find out that this was a thing. Long COVID was a thing. And then groups of, of us organized and pushed the World Health Organization and the CDC to recognize it because insurance companies were not covering. How long did it take the long, for long COVID to, to be coined and to be acknowledged? Yeah, I would say it about May-June of the pandemic around there. Uh, I'd have to take a look at the real date, but it was like around the May-June arena because I knew that after June it got a lot less complex. I mean, though, I still went to cardiologists that were like, you're just deconditioned and you need to work out. And I'm like, listen, before COVID, I was a weightlifter. Oh, let's just say before COVID, Carla was out here living her fit, hashtag fit life. Yeah. <laughs> I was seeing your post. I was like, oh, she's getting it. So yeah. like... It's weird that people always say, first of all, I have a question about that. People who say, oh, he died of COVID, but he was sickly. Pause for a second. What you're saying is people who are not in perfect health deserve to die. Yeah, that's right. I don't think folks realize how, how I mean, fucked there up that are is. so many ways in which folks are like, oh, well, you know, if she had, had allergies. A... So, I mean, of course she died. I'm just like, do you understand that people who are imperfect, which is all, all humans, by the way, deserve to live? Like and 45% of people in the country have an undiagnosed autoimmune disease. So you may randomly be saying you should die. I, yeah. I'm like, your eyes look, you look a little ashen and crusty to be talking yeah. like that. You probably got something. Like, it makes me so sad how when we talk about things like the Holocaust or stuff like that, and we'll be like, Hitler wanted these perfect people and he was a, a, a villain or whatever. Yeah. But now we're all acting like mini Hitlers. And I'm provocative <laughs> in saying this and acting yeah. like if you're not perfect, you don't have to be loved. Yeah, like, social media has made us our own little dictators yeah. about what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah. And COVID was a really jarring reminder yeah. of how quickly people could, will throw you away as long as they're fine. Yeah. Folks who were hesitant about COVID and who were being mindful, if they got it and survived it, became callous. Yeah. Because now it doesn't affect me anymore. Oh, now that I know that, that I run Russian roulette, I'm not going to die. Girl, I had so family members. I had family members who swore that lemon tea was the cure for COVID. Oh, honey, right? wow. <laughs> that could be a Latin thing. But wait a minute. <laughs> right? It was so bad. Some ginger and some, listen, some oregano oil listen. and you would be just good. I was like, if that were the case, there would be many rich people right now. Many. But like... You know, and then just a lot of skepticism on my own illness. I mean, I was really lucky. My my nuclear family, like my mom, my dad, my brother, were all like ride or die, right? Like mm -hmm. literally um, in, the, in those moments. But it's, I think in order to, like, you know, we don't have control. And like, I mean, people like us, we get that we don't have control. Mm -hmm. And we're walking around this world. We made peace with it, whatever. And yes, mm -hmm. the blessings come and the, the tidal wave of pain comes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And these are things we don't have control of. But most people don't understand they have no control. And for the people who don't understand that, they try to come up with the reason. Like the biggest parallel I can think of is when I, the experiences I had when I was assaulted. And like people trying to figure out how you got assaulted so that they can make a judgment about why they wouldn't get assaulted because they're smarter yeah. than you are. It's a superiority thing that is very condescending. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, well, what did you say to him, though? Mm -hmm. Were you worried? Well, why did you walk down that alley? Yeah. Do you understand that if I walk buck naked down an alley, I still don't deserve to be raped, right? right? Like, there's, like, there's no That's scenario. Absolutely. 
I was talking to a male friend about this and I was talking to him about the importance of holding space yeah. rather than rushing to a solution, right? Yeah. A solution is, is, is valid. Of course we want solutions. Mm-hmm. But holding space means that I, what happens to me mattered. Yeah. And a lot of folks rush to solutions because they want to feel better. Yeah. Because we want to think there's good guys and bad guys. Sometimes there's a lot of gray fucked up shit yeah, in the middle. Absolutely. Most uh, of it is gray. Most of it is gray. Yeah, I think that's why we also have to make celebrities into villains or superheroes yeah. too, right? For because sure. it's clean that way. Because sure. if you're fave... It's also problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is making me think about why we need more people of color who are gatekeepers. Because a yeah. lot of times those metrics about what's acceptable and what's not are done by people who are don't even can't even read the room. Um, and I it's making me think about I have this down and I don't want to skip this. Cause Andre Brown Jackson is making history today, right? Like it's it's yeah. it's all over. I've been retweeting it's really beautiful. I feel so bad for everybody on my timeline. I've been retweeting the crap out of it. Uh she will yeah. rise. And during her open statement um to the Supreme Court confirmation hearing, she said um, a thank you to her parents who were married for 54 years. Yeah. Her parents were married for 54 years. Wow. And she also thanked her husband of 25 years, Dr. Pa- Patrick Jackson. And she said, and I quote, I have no doubt without him by my side from the very beginning at this incredible professional journey, none of this would have been possible. Do you realize the level of negotiation you have to understand how to do to 20, be in a relationship for 25 and 54 years? Five and <laughs> 54 years. <laughs> So the reason why I'm bringing this up is it's Women's Month. That's, that's why yeah, I booked yeah. you to be this month. I was like, who are the badass women that I know? Mm. And I was thinking to myself about the conversation that you and I have had about being powerful versus being lovable mm. and how those are often treated like they're at odds. Oh, so conversely, this is, this is going to be a compare and contrast. She's saying 54, 25, all these wonderful years. Last week, a man went viral for saying women who make more than me are disqualified. Oh, God. <laughs> You see those two narratives, right? Oh, yeah. We see Katanji, we, we want to be power couples like Katanji and her family, but then we see these men who are saying, if you make more than me, yeah. you're disqualified. What has it been like, and this is a, a very light question, what has it been like for you dating as a powerful woman? Listen, <laughs> every everything up before this year has been, der- like, you know, I've been talking to you about the fact that I've been in my first, like, really healthy relationship. Um, That's a big deal. Some people die never being in a healthy listen. relationship. Listen, <laughs> I'm like, even if it never worked, if it doesn't work out, at least I know what this was like for a. a I'll let you know when it's my turn. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten there yet, but watching you has been great. Yeah. I mean, like, it's. Um, I think it's really hard. Like the, uh, there is this. Like, unfortunately, like one of the things that actually my partner said to me once because I was doing a presentation about, like. I was like, masculinity is killing everything. And then he was like, hey, 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 you know, like his son is trans. And so he was like, you know, watching them embrace their masculinity has been beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Like patriarchy is messed up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I am duly checked, right? But isn't and that like, lovely that you could have a partner who instead of shutting down yeah. and feeling small yeah. and then making you pay for it passively yeah. later, yeah. called it out and let you address it in yeah. the moment. Oh, I mean, we've talked Damn, about Damn, you the are fact- in a healthy relationship. I have no idea what that feels like. <laughs> I, I told, I one of the things we said, if either of us had lesser of an ego than we, does, this would, th- than we do, it would not work. Yeah. Right? Because one person would run over the other person. Right? But is it, here's the thing though, is it ego or is it um, confidence and boundaries? Because I, I took a test yeah. recently and the reason why I'm, I'm calling out the ego thing is I think people would think I have a lot of ego. Mm. 
And I've taken all these tests. There's one called human design. I've taken all these different tests. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that one. And every single test I take, and this is always funny when somebody else is with me and hearing the results, it always says that I don't have a big ego. Mm-hmm. People are like, this bitch doesn't have a big ego. <laughs> how loud she is. <laughs> and I've always pushed back like, no, ego is a, the ego's only job is to protect what is weakened or, or yeah, compromised, right? I'm the kind of person where I self-advocate not from ego, but from a sense of right and wrong. That's right. So I'm not advocating because I need to be right. I'm advocating because this feels like it's wrong in general. Oh, yeah. And so I think people don't understand the nuance of wanting to to do what's right versus needing to feel like you have you are right. Yeah. Which is a huge distinction that I had to Ooh. learn to make for people that I've dated. Yeah. Like, if we have an argument and if I, I find out that you're right, I'll concede. But if you're wrong, you got me fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're going to keep on pretending like you're not wrong. Yeah, man. I, it's like... Uh, I think confidence and boundaries is right. And we've got a robust conversation about confidence and boundaries. Oh, I can imagine because you have the verbiage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Carla will drown you in some verbiage, honey. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this over like, here, point five B. Yeah, listen. Uh, I got frameworks for the frameworks. Um, and you're a Taurus dating a Libra too, so we have similar problems. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, like before him, I would say that the toughest part is that when the person that you are in relationship with does not have the confidence and boundaries. Mm. They look at your confidence and boundaries as a threat rather than as an invitation to join you. That is a quotable. Right. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew, pew. I need to get sound effects <laughs> for the show. This is the exact moment. This is the, can you repeat that? Because that was a fucking word. Oh, my God. They, they look at confidence and boundaries as a threat instead of an invitation to join you. It's right? an invitation. Like, I'm empowered. You want some, too? Yeah. Well, and so many of us haven't really spent time thinking through what we believe. We crib our beliefs off of other people. Like, we outsource our beliefs to that celebrity, that politician, that mm-hmm. like talking point, right? Like we heard a thing, even home, even homie who just got went viral. He did not hear that. He, he did not make that up. Um, he, he heard that somewhere and like repurposed it. Yeah. And is, and then utilized it as a way, you know, and like, listen, there is data that says that we are less likely to find men. Right. But that data does not mean that the reason we are not finding men is because we are educated, powerful, or or have a good salary. The reason we aren't finding men is because they're weak. (laughs) And there's weakness. Well, it's socialized weakness, right? Because fragile masculinity is taught. It's socialized too. And it's always interesting to me where when you're, I'm, I feel like I'm a unicorn, you're a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Statistically speaking, we should not be existing in the lives that we're living. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm already atypical, why would I not continue to think that I might be the exception if I'm constantly being the exception to all these fucked up rules that you guys have created for me? And I also think, too, I get really nervous around men. You guys know I'm pansexual. I have started dating men more rigorously since I moved to L.A. I forgot how fragile they were. I forgot. It's rough, man. You gotta the DC lesbians have me spoiled for a second. I forgot. Gotta be looking into the San Gabriel Valley because LA proper is a whole other thing. There were (laughs) Carla. There were a couple times I was like, "Am I going back to women?" Because this is a lie. This is a lie. No, this is like, oh, so your feelings are hurt about that thing from three weeks ago that was. And here's you know what the the thing is is my my issue is not with men. I love men. I love humans. Right. Absolutely. My issue is with fragile masculinity, which could also exist in lesbians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so. Wherever I find it, I'm not for it, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. But there are a lot of guys who have convinced themselves of the new minority. Yeah. 
in a patriarchal society, I promise you, you're getting your feelings hurt because you can't keep up even yeah. though the, the, the game was rigged for you to win. Yeah. That's that's not mm. you being disempowered. That's you not figuring out how to win. And, and the funny thing is, I think, like, I have a friend a long time ago. He lived next door to our job. I lived an hour away. <laughs> I was always on time. He was always late. Mm. Because I was so far and I knew I was starting behind, I had to be more mindful about my commute. Yep. Because he lived next door, he could be mindless Rolling and he was in. constantly failing. Yeah. And I think that's what I think about when I think about men mm. who are now being fragile and acting like incels. Yeah. This was already stacked in your favor. And so there's a lack of mindfulness that you were not, you weren't taught mindfulness because you didn't have to be mindful. All these women behind you who were disenfranchised, who were couldn't even vote, needed a husband just to get a bank loan, they figured out how to get up earlier because they knew they were starting behind. And let's be clear, there's a disinformation campaign to recruit them. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Like, there are... There are bots trying to make men hate women right absolutely. now. Absolutely. No question. Like, they are looking at the place where they can create, a, like, space to pull you away into a, like a, a culty little behavior, right? And there is underground. It's worse than ISIS. Yeah. Even the, and here's the thing, I have a lot of guy friends. I'm starting to think I have guy friends because I'm supposed to deprogram them. One of my mm. good guy friends sent me a video of a man saying, you know, men are the only people in the world who are only love for what they can provide. They're not love for who they are. Mm. And they kill themselves three times more than women do. And we're just providers or nothing else. You guys don't see us as humans. We can't have feelings. Mm. Bullshit. Because women, uh, we probably don't kill ourselves as much because y'all kill us before we get to ourselves. Let's be yeah. really, really, statistically speaking, women are more, are more likely to be killed when they're pregnant by their lover yeah. than by a complete stranger, right? And also, too, all the things you're complaining about how being a provider is the only thing you're known for, y'all created that with patriarchy. So my mm -hmm. thing is you cannot create this fucked up system. And, and instead of being yeah. mad at other men for creating the fucked up system, be mad at the people who are being like the most yeah. maligned by it. And so I wrote him back an email and I said, hey, love, I love that you sent me this video. I hope you don't feel similarly because the problem with this video is men who do not know how to hold space for their feelings start to make nonsensical statements like this yeah. in a silo and nobody's around to tell them that they're not making sense. Yeah, man. Like, like it makes me sad. So for you dating, how do you navigate the fragilities? Because all men have masculine, like, all men are spoon fed so all the guys who are watching you're not bad people no. society has spoon fed this to you yeah. but how do you tell a masculine person nah i think uh you might have gotten this wrong yeah. and without without getting broken up with yeah i mean i just i don't know that that's for me at least the choice that i've made at this point in my life. like i always think is really interesting to me that i was deadlifting 220 pounds and being like you know and going and traveling this little flex the like to like places like it was and i was not having a good dating life um you were you you were very single but also very adventurous i was very adventurous mm -hmm. right um and then the minute that i but like covid humbled me quite a bit in terms of like I think you're gonna die yeah I think you're gonna die. well anybody and it opened me up to letting my people love me right and mm -hmm. i don't mean just men mm -hmm. i mean like, I let you love on me. I let you all of my friends love on me. Like, people were sending me things, giving me groceries. You know, like people were taking care of me. In order for me to survive COVID, I had to let people take care of me. You had to learn how to receive. That's right. And that learning was critical, I think. And even though COVID made me gain a ton of weight and put me in a really bad health position and everything like the gifts that it did give me was like letting me learn how to receive and that opened me up to my partner right and 
I was clear though that when I started dating again that I was like, yeah, I don't actually have room or space for the people who are not going to be in a give and take with me. Mm. That are like understand that this is a both like this is both of us. It's sexy when the thirst is mutual. Yeah, that's right. You know. So and basically, you being more supple is what. So basically, you probably were saying the same things you would have said previously, but the you yeah. that was saying it probably was delivering it. Was and really that, different. Energetically, the energetically. words could have been the same, but the energy felt different. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, well, this is a good segue for the next cop conversation I wanted to have was because I intentionally had that conversation about men because now I want to flip it to women. Yeah. Did you not believe humans are humans? Yes. And I hate gender wars. A lot of women would have listened to the last 10 minutes and said, yeah, blue, fragile masculinity sucks. Yeah. But on the flip side, a lot of women get so hardened by that, we don't know how to receive feedback. Yeah. And we don't know how to how to receive it all. Yeah. So what did you have to unlearn as a strong mm. woman to be loved properly? Yeah. Because the unlearning is the thing that yeah. nobody ever tells women that, hey, okay, men might be all these things and they have all these things to learn, but they can't always be wrong. Yeah. And you also have something that you need to learn. And a lot yeah. of strong women I know don't know how to receive feedback. Yeah. Well, and I, to be clear, I think it's the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. So like the thing that we were talking about before and this thing are the same thing. The exactly. learning how to receive feedback. You know, they'll do a hundred trainings about how to give feedback, but no one ever does trainings about how to receive it. Talk about it. <laughs> because some of the most some of the most critically thinking, amazing people, yep. you tell them anything that's not perfect, Woo. they turn into five-year-olds. Yeah, man. You just let a workshop, but yeah, you can't take feedback. Yeah. Talk about it, Carla. Well, I mean, and it's like our value has to be more like you always know where you get your value as a human yeah. when feedback comes, right? So like if my and then like listen i'm not perfect i definitely am like i have you know i've been an activist i do a lot of work with people i'm usually the most emotionally intelligent person in a room mm -hmm. like i if someone challenges the, those parts of me that i hold so dear mm -hmm. it takes me a second to pull back and be like oh mm, that's ego that's where ego shows up that's right that's where the, that's, that's right. what that's where that that's is right. pure ego right mm -hmm. and like and I don't care how evolved you get, you still have those attachments. Everybody does. Everybody does. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, I need a day or I need an hour to come back and like really consider this. Right. And I, I, I think that part of, you know, like, you know, I'm like a self-cleaning oven sometimes, but I, you're the only other person I know who uses that analogy. I fucks with you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You, I'm always like, yeah. I'm a self-cleaning oven. I'm yeah, going yeah. to mess it up, but I'm going to fix it after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, but like part of that is there's nothing that a person says to me that I'm not going to consider. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and there is, and you know, a friend of mine, Mimi once is just like, you always got to think about like, what's the grain in like it may be that ninety percent of what someone says said to you is horseshit. Am I allowed mm -hmm. to say horseshit? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. This is a grown up podcast. A grown up podcast. Human's uh, cuss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he's always like, you know, or it's like ninety percent of what a person says could be horseshit, but that little ten percent may be something that you got to look at. Right. That nugget. And, yeah, and it keeps so, showing up like a pebble in your shoe, and so you pay attention to it. That's absolutely right. And I would be lying if I didn't say that letting myself be loved was not a nugget that showed up for most of my life, right? Mm, like, that's, yeah. It was the lesson, like, like, it was the lesson that popped up in every single stage. Like, chill out and just let the love happen. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to work for it. Like, 
Can you, we talk about struggle love? Because yeah. we all believe that, like, if it's, you know, we have to work for the love and this, that, and the other. But I will say this, though. Um, a lot of times we ask for stuff without making room for it to show up. Because mm. I remember there was a time where I was in D.C. and there was this person that I liked. And they worked in my neighborhood. And I said, it's Monday. I've been, I'm going to manifest them calling me by Friday. <laughs> so every day I, I would, like, do my, you know, I'm Buddhist. <laughs> Nami Oho Renge Kyo. I was like, like, I could just see you showing up to my door. And every day I, manif- I, I tried to manifest it. On Friday, I got a call saying, hey, for some reason, you've been on my mind since Monday. And I was like, yeah, yes, yeah. yes you have. <laughs> and, then he was, and then he was like, so um, I'm in your neighborhood. Can I come over? And I was about to say yes until I looked around and realized I hadn't cleaned my house. Mm. I spent all week manifesting. And did not do the but, prep But didn't, actually didn't create the environment <laughs> for this motherfucker to come over. That's and so cute. with the, the heaviest really heart, <laughs> I was like, actually, no, you can't because it looks like a disaster area like yeah and so that always stuck with me like i did all this praying but didn't so make room for metaphysical, it metaphysical man <laughs> so metaphysical you want to tell you the universe and, yeah. and to this day i always think that we would have probably gotten together had that, mm. that happened this person went on vacation and met somebody there mm. and they got together instead yeah the when i got the wedding invitation i wanted to flip a table <laughs> i was like if i had just cleared my house you would have came over realized i was the one yeah. what the fuck but that always stopped me moving forward Whenever I do something and I pray for something, the very next thing is to make room for it to show up. Because a lot of folks ask for love. And then when love shows up, they throw up all over it because they don't know where to put it. So I guess my thing is like, what's the thing that you miss the most about being single? Mm. Because we always act like being in a relationship is the only good case scenario. They both have good and bad. Yeah, absolutely. It's the planning on my own. Like when it's like when I'm looking at my month. Yeah, it's like when I'm looking at my month, and I'm looking at the calendar. I can't be like, this This is the weekend we are going to hang out together. This is the weekend that we're not. This is the mm-hmm. week that we're going to do this. I actually have to negotiate that with another human that is three-dimensional. And like, you know, and, and that has quirks that might not make sense to you. Yes, absolutely. Right. And that may seem simple. But it's not like and I, I mean had, autonomy is not simple. Listen, That's a big thing to miss is your complete autonomy. Tell you, so in 2017, I got a dog. And the reason I got a dog is that an ex came to visit in December of 2016. And I was concerned at how annoyed I was at how many times I had to do something that he wanted to do mm-hmm. versus something that I wanted to do. Being single will do that to you. And I was like, oh, dang, I've been running this life only considering me for a really long time. I need to do something and talk to the dog. <laughs> no, it, it, it tracks. Carla, that makes total fucking sense to me. It compl- it's the reason why I have so many guy friends. Yeah. I'm like, look, if I'm going to actually end up with one of y'all, I need to be annoyed with y'all now and figure out how to work through that so when my husband shows up, I already know how to do with man stuff. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? No, yeah, it totally yeah. makes all the fucking sense in the world. Uh, then I was like, I had Ooh. to... Go walk a doggy that had its own PP schedule and had its own, like, it had its own internal set of needs that I had to negotiate and honor and prep for and plan around. And, like, is your I dog really, Guatemalan? Uh-huh. No, no, no. <laughs> I feel like whatever race you are, you're like, oh, yeah, ethnicity yeah. you are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, call my dog yeah. that. Moxie. Oh, my yeah, dog yeah, is black. Yeah, I don't yeah, even have yeah. a dog yet, but Mo- no, Moxie's Mexican. <laughs> 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 Moxie's Mexican. That sounds like a bomb ass drink that I would order. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, seriously, like when you have when you have a pet, you're right. It, it does keep you supple. Yeah, it's all about finding ways to keep your heart supple. Yeah, we had a, a Valentine's episode where one of my favorite couples came, and Adrian Muse. She's one of the people in the couple, and she said she advised me to give up on looking for love. Yeah. She's been happily married for ten years, 
and that seems like counterintuitive. She was like, and I was like, and the, the minute she said that, because I know that she's very spiritual, I was like, are you about to reference the law of detachment? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you know, I was like, oh God, here we yeah. go. <laughs> For those who don't know, the law of detachment is a less fun side of the secret that nobody yeah. talks about. Yeah. We talk about the law of attraction all the time. We don't talk about the law of detachment. Yeah. We don't talk about how when you want to attract something, you have to trust it enough to let it go and not be attached to it. Well, you know, that's about power too. Yeah. I can do it with power. I can renege power all day long. But when it comes to fixing, Listen. because I think being of service is something I'm so proud of because that's the ego thing, right? I yeah, tell people man. all the time, everything you do has an incentive, even if it's noble. Yeah, for sure. Even though I love the high I get, watching people be empowered with tools I give them to fix their lives, yeah. I love that I have the toolkit to hand to them. Absolutely. That's still about me. Yeah. I tell people all the time, nothing is selfless. So like the law of detachment is very hard for a lot of people on a scale yeah. of one to ten it's hard for me at like a four now yeah used to be like an eight yeah you if you would tell me to detach i would get like roid rage i would get mad yeah detach i don't even have enough like i would get angry <laughs> how good do you think you are at asking and then detaching from the control freak urge to mm. watch it and micromanage it while you're waiting for the universe With to work the its magic in progress yo <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm at a four it's hard for so, me at a four how hard is for you i don't want to one to ten uh, I'm probably at a five or a six at this point. Well, no, more like five, probably. With long COVID, I would have been like an eight. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I actually because long COVID would have made me would have made me clench up a little well, bit. I think. I mean, I think so. I would say the first six months of long COVID definitely did that to me. Yeah. And accepting that I had a disability and that I and a chronic illness. Oh, that, those those words have so much weight to them. Yeah. Especially when you're proud of how listen, autonomous and badass you are. Listen, I And then been, like, smi like swipes you down and makes you sit down. I have been doing social change work my whole life. And I, you oh. know, it's like the understanding of like, I think I had a transition in my uh, accomplice, uh, accomplice uh, path with the LGBTQIA community. When mm -hmm. I stopped seeing um, like gay lesbian trans rights as something that i had that i was like i love folks in those communities i'm gonna be there for them all the time and then i had a transition where all of a sudden i was like oh no actually i believe i get to own my femininity at whatever level i want to mm -hmm. and freedom for me means they get to own their femininity at whatever level they want to and their masculinity at whatever level they want to. Mm -hmm. And my freedom is tied up in their freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, with it was, it's not being othered. Like, it was like, yeah. oh, we're no. human beings that, that are connected. Yeah. This injustice prevents me from living my best life. Yeah. You know, even if I'm not a part of a community, right? Isn't there a quote about that? Like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, when, yeah. The, when I saw them take it away from so-and-so, I said nothing. When I saw them take it away from somebody else, I said nothing. And then one yeah, day it was my turn. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like whenever you let injustice happen, mm -hmm. eventually it's going to be your turn. Yeah. Absolutely. And there, I would say I had a similar transition in terms of disability justice where mm. I was, before I was disabled, I was like, I want to make things accessible for people and I want to give folks that. And then I had to understand that true disability justice was taking divorcing my relationship between my productivity and my value mm, you wanted to be a human being not a human doing yeah, that's right child cliches are cliches for a reason yeah the whole human being versus human doing thing yeah COVID brought that out so much because i was like if you don't start a business and become a billionaire by the end of this Yo. what were you doing uh surviving the fuck yeah. like what, well, <laughs> like, what I, the fuck I, why I, do i have to start a business during a pandemic i hear that I'm and like 
I am like, oh baby, that's like you the last grasp of the productivity. Like you're not trying those means. <laughs> this young lady started a million dollar business using a ten dollar refund check from the, like, the government. That's wonderful for her. Yeah, what so the fuck great. does that have to do with me? So great that you can make sourdough bread and like right. <laughs> oh my god, it's like, she grew a farm. That's wonderful. I grabbed my mail today and actually opened it in time. Yeah, like, absolutely. absolutely. Per, be, the whole thing with like busyness and productivity. I think the counter movement to push back against that. Thank God it's happening. Yeah, there's something called the nap ministry. Oh yeah, I love. That. I love that because you know I love me a good nap. Yeah. So I love that there's a whole ministry to back that Rest. up. I'm going to ask you a question that's actually not... I'm going to go rogue. It's not on the itinerary. As mm. much as I make this show conversational, I always have an itinerary. Mm -hmm. You know how we do. Listen. We make things look conversational, but the whole time we got no... There's structure. But this yeah. is something that actually happened to me last Thursday on St. Patrick's Day when I went home. And I haven't talked to it about it to anybody but the folks who were there. So you're going to be the first person to hear about it that wasn't actually there. Right. Um, a friendship of many several years came to an end last year. Mm. So this is my first time in my entire life past the age of 12 no since the age of five i've had a best so friend sorry, not having so a tough. best friend so i've had a best friend since i was five oh. so it was one of those things where i was i'm clear enough where the way i was dishonored made it a clean break for me because yeah. i was like nobody who belongs in my life for treatment like that right yeah. so the break was actually clean this is where things get messy i thought the break was clean it's been whatever i go back home for saint patty's day and see my childhood friends who've known me since i was 12 years old yeah. They've known me longest than anybody next to my mother. I tell them about the friendship breakup and they're all devastated. And I'm fine because I'm, I'm stoic. And I, it, yeah, I was like, yeah. no, it was a, I was like, it was so dishonorable. I had to go and I'm proud of yeah. myself. It wasn't until I made a mention about how I was perceived in high school mm. that I saw the looks on their faces and they were like, what are you talking about? So this is what happened. I was like, you know, I know in high school I was a raging bitch and nobody liked me. Um, so I'm really, it's really sweet that you guys are showing me. The, they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? You were super popular. I was like, wait, no, no. Yeah. I was a raging bitch. And nobody... I have a similar, and I then, thought I was a nerd. <laughs> I thought all these horrible things. And then they were like, who the fuck told you that? They were like, Blue, we all have husbands and kids. Why the hell would we all leave our husbands and our kids at home on a Thursday? We have work tomorrow. We're angry, yeah. <laughs> just to come see this horrible bitch that nobody liked in high school who yeah. told you that. And then I said, well, this person who I, I just mm -hmm. ended my friendship with, our friendship started with them telling me, hey, nobody likes you, but I like oh. you. And the whole friendship was predicated on me making penance for what a horrible person I was in high school. And for 25 years, I took his word for it that I was a shitty person in high school. The work that I currently do and the hyper thoughtfulness I have is quietly me making penance for this monster that I was in high school. And so for me- Imaginary. To for me to go back and find out that somebody had planted a false memory in my head and that the people who were actually there were like, no, you you weren't. Yeah. And then I started saying, you're right, because when I would throw birthday parties, everybody would show up. So if I was so horrible, why were my parties were popping? If I was so horrible, why people, like, and suddenly I was realizing that I had a bit of, I had been groomed. I don't mm. think he did it intentionally, right? No. People in pain sometimes do things. Do things I think he thought that I was a popular girl who he thought was a bitch or whatever. Yeah. But what was jarring for me was I teach classes and workshops about grooming, about how the first step of grooming is to isolate you. Yeah. And I teach all the steps of grooming, not realizing I had quietly been groomed unintentionally, perhaps, mm. by someone who I thought was my closest friend. Yeah. And so it's jarring sometimes to realize that what you think of yourself isn't your thoughts yeah. somebody planted a seed you trusted them and you never questioned it right yeah. have you and i and the reason why i'm bringing this up is 
I know that we've both had some like rude awakenings about who we are and who we could be in the past couple of years. Have you ever had a moment where you trusted someone's perception of you and then later realized, huh, I don't think that's actually me. I think that's how you perceive me, but I don't think that's actually a version of me. Have you ever had that cognitive dissonance? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think... Because we're really willing to take feedback. That's one thing I would say for both of us. If we love you, we want your feedback. feedback, For sure. It's the, you know, I'm a tender human. Like, I'm vulnerable as hell. I'm quick to cry. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's, you know, it's like, and cry happy, cry sad, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, you are. I'm... And I'm the same, so I shouldn't be looking at you. I'm looking at you like, oh, you poor oh, thing. Poor like, thing. bitch, yeah, you're the same yeah, way. Yeah. Yes, we are. And, I mean, but it takes a certain amount of strength to do that. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that being yourself, I mean, we started out talking about being ourselves in every environment. And mm-hmm. being yourself in every environment takes a certain amount of strength. Yeah. Like, you're not performing for the people that normal. like, you're not performing for men. You're not performing for whiteness. You're not performing for better jobs. You just want to be the best you you can be and figure out what the fuck that looks like. And there, of course, have been stages to that, right? Right. You know, me at 25, different than me now, right? Like, shut up. Me at 25, shut up right now. (laughs) I mean, we were probably like, what, like 20 something? Yeah, we were like, we were still in our 20s when we met. When we met. But you also think that if you're good to folks, like, oh, if I love upon you, of course, if you give me feedback, it has to be oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But Child. that vulnerability has caused people, like, people will have some mad, crazy reactions to me. Like, wild, right? Like, folks, I remember when I got my, um, the job for CEO at my last organization. This next flex, I love when you talk the- to your <laughs> I love the last it's time not- I was popping. Of the many times that I be popping. <laughs> it's not a flex. No, I love it. We, we like flexes yeah, here. Yeah, it's a yeah. flex. Okay. We own okay, that shit. Okay, it's a flex. Um... I remember someone uh, said to me that I had to decide whether or not I wanted to be Huey P. Newton or Cory Booker. Oh, that's <laughs> a was, weird menu. First of all, <laughs> first of all, those are the options. Uh, first of all, I'm Latina. Right. Like, where are we going right, with this? Like, I'm, a, I'm a Latin woman. Right. So. And then, um, let's say you want to be David Duke or Colin Powell. Right. Ne- neither. Neither. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and. But it one, I was like, I think that takes the humanity away from both of those leaders. Yeah. One, right? And two, I refuse to choose, right? Like it's yeah. not and and like like folks wrote letters to the board about how I would be ruin the organization. Why? What was, how the, pre- I, what was like, the premise? Because I was too emotional to run it. Because mm, women, women wrote the like women said that to board members. Well, internalized sexism is a thing. Yeah, listen, mm-hmm. right? And and I think that when you hold yourself with a certain amount of vulnerability, and folks who like do a lot of self protection come up against you, like the story that people tell themselves when they're very protected is that they have to because the world is too cruel, and if they are not protected then they're going to be hurt. And then they watch you step into the room without that kind of baggage. And they think something's wrong with you. Yeah. Like, oh, that bitch is weird. Something's wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. I think a lot of times, the person who I'm talking about was constantly protecting himself and constantly living in secret and shame. And me just being proud to exist. Yeah. He was like, well, you don't think people are going to have a problem with that? You don't think people are going to, like, and I was like, "Uh, or maybe not. But then I realized, like, I was like, for someone who's so hated for being the way I am, why are people always in my house? Like, but, but here's the thing, though, right? Yeah. I love about what you're saying that people don't see the world as it is. They see it as they are. What is that? A nice n- 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 um, yeah. quote. And it's interesting how a paranoid person, of course, is going to be paranoid about you being free. Yeah. So do you do you have you ever had to walk away from a friendship because the, 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 the fruit was coming from the poison tree? Have you ever had to say your inability to see me clearly is fucking this up for us? 
I mean, through I think probably in the first part of my 20s, I think I've had a real gift at picking the right people for friends. What I wasn't now, able to... Because well, I, I picked this person at like 14. Yes, so 14-year-old yes. me is who chose like, listen, the conundrum that yeah, I yeah. currently find but myself I, I'll say like I have friends who are high school friends and middle school friends mm -hmm. um, in very different life situations than me, very different, you know what I mean? But I, I think... Um, I would say that in my 20s, I really struggled with that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, And something happened in my later 20s where I just stopped allowing people who were going to sweat my freedom. <laughs> like, girl, like I, you rem I remember when I did a wedding for myself. I did a wedding for myself. I remember I was, that. I was like, what's happening? Pictures were nice, though. Listen, it was, I was like 28. Um and it was, but it was an anniversary of the assaults had happened. Oh, and I, I was know like, that. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted, I was like, what do you do when you really commit to yourself, like really fully? So you were right? reclaiming that day. Oh, that makes sure, total sense. Right? And so I was, um, that's kind of how I decided to do it. And I, you know, I had a couple people like get real twisted up about it. And they were like, this is ridiculous. And why do Even you when you told them the reason. Off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they believed me about the reason right um you know how i feel about folks who don't believe you because they don't believe themselves i yeah. hate it when you're an honest person and people don't believe you yeah you're like are you gonna hate me for being too free and too honest or hate me for being liar you can't yeah, be both you can't be both. i need you to pick a struggle yeah absolutely it, wow i didn't know that was the reason yeah, you did that yeah, absolutely and so i but it, it caught a lot of a lot it made a lot of folks it made quite a few folks angry when i did it angry angry like Th annoying somebody marrying themselves might you could think it's weird but why would it make you angry yeah it's an annoyance and like you know it was just it was really it was really interesting and you know like at uh, i look at the in the moment i was sad that it was uh held that way mm -hmm. but I was going to go do it anyway. Like, it wasn't like, I was like, this is a choice I've made for myself. Yeah. Doing something for myself, right? And and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful night. It was like a beautiful set of things I did for myself. It was a beautiful set of people. And then I was able, like, and I think, honestly, after that moment in time, I can track that people just didn't really get space with me if I distrusted their ability to be in it in that way. And yes, I've had a, a like my friend barometer is real good. I can tell immediately if like this person's going to be my people. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be things to work through. That doesn't mean that, uh, that's called that, a relationship. You right? also have things to work through. Absolutely. Yes. Right. But like I I've had I've been really blessed to find soulmates left and right. Like it's just a lot. I think them. I think I think soulmates is the one thing I think too. some people don't get, get grandfathered in. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a oh, yeah no, I, that's you know, so hard. You know we're loyal, right? Yeah. So absolutely. I'm the kind of person where if I track who loyal. I've chosen um, from like 31 upward, yeah, I've been real good. Yeah. But anybody who got in before that, yeah, that loyalty thing, yeah, I've stopped you. The I, word I loyalty, you. I I kind of feel it has thorns on it. It's like a rose with a thorn. Loyalty can be like the the greatest can co-conspire in your demise yeah. if it's misplaced. Misplaced loyalty really scares the shit out of me, right? Yeah. Um, I think for, uh, one thing I did notice is a lot of folks stayed around longer because they they thought they were watching me struggle. 
there were years where I was figuring things out, like almost like a child. Like, oh, let's yeah. try this and let's try that. You've always been playful with it too. I, I love it. Like, I'm like, oh, who am I this year? Yeah, let's absolutely. see what's going on. Where do I live now? Like, who am I? What am I calling myself? Yeah, I remember the East Coast to LA transition. Child, play there it was, was a five year being by coastal until the universe yeah. was like, bitch, you better just move to LA. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But I play around a lot, and I think the folks who are watching me work through that yeah. mistook it for struggle. Yeah. And they were okay watching me struggle. It wasn't until I settled into LA and started getting externally um, quantifiable wins. Yeah. I always thought I was winning the whole time, but started winning in a way that was being clapped for publicly. Yeah. That's when certain folks started to get real a while out. quiet or angry or annoyed. Cause like, oh, if I can dismiss you as this, a friend once got caught. I mean, because you're pre-famous, Blue. <laughs> but it's pre-famous. I mean, like, you're, I mean. Pre-famous? Listen, yeah, it's pre-famous. What does pre-famous mean? I, I mean, I'm just, like, you're one of those people. I'm nowhere no near famous. Yeah. I, I get that. That's why you're pre-famous. Like, I. I listen, okay, child, I think, think I'm chilling. You are, cre- you are creating a body of work and art and conversation that at some point in time is gonna blow up and many more people are gonna know about it, right? I'm fighting the urge to push back and just receive this. I I'm receiving, receive it. I'm receiving it. it. You just see that? Because I want to be like, girl, what are you talking about? I want to do my job. I, I listen. You know, I have known a lot of people. You like do. I, I have seen a lot of people in a lot Carlos of different Lava. situations, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I, what I'm saying is that you are in a state right now where you're like incubating your stuff, and okay, when when the the egg cracks and the baby comes out, that shit's gonna be fire. <laughs> you know, what I'm I mean? never. You know what? I'm gonna totally receive that. I would a week ago I would have been like Carla, no, honey, I, I just care about the content. Mm-hmm. But I know you do. But I'm 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 learning. And that's the best place to receive. To yeah, you know we suck at receiving anything that feels like Absolutely. a compliment. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, it makes breaks my heart though, because every win that I've ever gotten, I've always brought, brought my tribe with me. And so anybody who's mad at the abundance when they got to have some of it, to, logically it doesn't make sense. Because if I had a friend who I thought was about to get put on and she put me on already, I'd be like, bet, we could both be popping. Like, I'm not yeah. even stingy with it, but I think we have to stop wanting us from others. If you and I had a friend who said, Carla, you're amazing. I want to cut you a a $20,000 check to do this. Mm -hmm. We would say, wow, I love this person. They had my back. I'm going to always feel safe around them. Yeah. My mother once told me, Blue, sometimes people are mad that you have it to give. Yeah. Sometimes the abundance is the very thing that pisses people off. Because God forbid you actually have something to give to them. They feel like, why Why do I need to receive it? Let's pride. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what, you know, to round back to the beginning of the conversation, it's all our internalized stuff, right? Yes. Like internalized colonization, internalized anti-blackness, right? Like the, uh, like uh, for you, I'm sure it's even worse than it is for me, right? Like Because like internalized anti-blackness will have your own, people like doing the comparison game doing the like disproportionate anger fear and judgment because Mm -hmm. how dare she yeah absolutely right and because it's the it's an extension of policing the black body right oh that's a perfect segue carla i fucking love you the next time you come though because i'm speaking into existence because we have to wrap up in the next 10 minutes but the next time you come it has to be longer yeah. I need to start making these shows two hours. I know whenever I do an hour, I always regret it. I need to start making these shows two hours. But I love that you're talking about the black body because the one thing I, I love about you is that you were the only other plus size woman in the room a lot of times who I believed liked themselves as much as I liked myself at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and, and when, when you're a big girl, 
you know when someone's being performative versus when somebody oh, yeah. actually likes their body. And it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. if, if if a performative sister walks in the room, you're like, yeah. oh, sister, you got to do all that. Yeah. Like, if they like you, they just like you. If they don't, yeah, they don't. Yeah. So a lot of times when I'm around performative big girls, I feel so bad because I know what that, like, I know why yeah. they're doing it. And so sometimes I'll be like, well, Carla's here. Yeah, yeah, I think she like herself. I mean, she's human, but yeah, she, I, she, yeah. I know she, I think she likes herself. And so when people see us as two plus size women, because I'm in a black body though, yeah, it's still gonna be perceived differently because yeah. it's a black body. For Even sure. if the body looks exactly fucking same, for sure. Carla, for sure. The the extra shades of melanin, that's suddenly. I remember when I was younger, there was a guy who only dated big girls, and I liked him. And I was like, well, I'm in. I yeah. think I like you. You like my type. Let's go. Yeah. I went up to him and asked for his number and he turned me down. And I was so like stunned because yeah. I had seen the girls he had dated, not to be shallow, but I was like, well, if you like her, you're going to definitely <laughs> like me. <laughs> I was like, oh, honey, I got something for you. So <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm, I know. I'm very objective about beauty, I by know. the way. Like, I know you are. If I have an ugly baby, I'll be the first to know Carla. Yeah, yeah, so I don't, I'm not blinded by it's whatever. It's a baby. I was like, oh, look at me having a baby. Maybe she'll grow into that. <laughs> so like, I was like, no, if you like her, why don't you like me? My friend had to pull me aside like, Blue, he only likes big, light-skinned girls. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. And so, so I'm thinking he likes big, pretty bitches. What? And he was like, no, they have to be a certain hue. And that shocked me because yeah. I was so busy looking at fat, fat phobia. I had never thought about complexion. Yeah. And so what has it been like for you being in a healthy relationship? Because a lot of times when I talk about my sex stuff on the show, if I go on Hollywood Unlocked, they'll be like, she's lying. Who's, who's fucking her? Which is hilarious, by the way. Yeah. Because a lot of those people, I can tell, I'm getting, I'm getting laid more than they are. Yeah. So that, that's, that's always the tea. Like, honey, I can tell honey. your sticker chakra is backed up. Shut up. Yeah. So <laughs> I can tell, honey, but keep typing. <laughs> Awkward as fuck. So, uh, like, what has it been like to be in a healthy relationship, but also to be a plus size woman being loved on in a healthy yeah. relationship sexually? Yeah. Absolutely. That's the final frontier. Listen. When I get me some of that, listen. Y'all can't tell me listen. shit, okay? I you know, one of the things I've had to understand is how much I got overly sexualized in past relationships mm. because people were performing their lust versus feeling it. Yeah. And um and Oof. like had a like a fetish, right? Of some I hate kind. being fetishized. Ugh, it's terrible. And like it's it, that means that when you are in a healthy relationship. Sex is not the only currency that you're talking about care right. with, right? Like, listen, my, I was just telling, I was telling my best friend, that I was like, I left I, this morning. I went to go look at my, uh, I've got this like little coffee stand and I put all my little coffee cups in there. And I knew that it had been like emptying out and I open it up and it's all full and perfectly organized. And I was like, oh, my baby organized my coffee stand. They call that chore play, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> When instead of foreplay, when your partner tries to get you like gushy and wet by doing chores, I love some chore play. <laughs> that is like, nice. That is one of the ways in which he shows love, right? And acts of service. I think it's like it's an a- acts of service piece, and I think that you get accustomed when you are a bigger woman to people like really only showing interest in you sexually ironically right yeah. like that's what people will do like because they're trying to get some like either they they don't know how to be in a fully embodied relationship mm-hmm. or they fetishized you in some way and are trying to prove something to in themselves. la a lot of people um there's a guy that i really liked i'm never gonna tell him because of what he said he said this to me and if he ever does tell me he likes me i'm gonna have to tell him i remember mm-hmm. you said that shit he 
I was telling him a story about a guy who went on a blind date with a big girl and got a blowjob for her and never called her back. And I said, isn't that gross? Um, she was being basically used for blowjobs because he said that big girls are only good for blowjobs because, you know, they're hungry. Mm. I thought he'd be appalled and he laughed and said he has a point. Mm. And that was the exact moment I was like, like, well, there went that attraction. Don't think I'm ever going to shoot my shot with you, sir. Yeah. And I think if I ever told him because he thinks he's a good guy, he'd be appalled that he said it, but he meant it. Right. Yeah. And knowing that so many men think, oh, big girls are freaky or something. I went on a, a podcast. This girl named Mandy was talking about how people were like, Mandy, you only get guys because, you know, you're a fat freak. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that whole thing of. Big girls are only good as like plush sex toys mm. is the reason why I think moving forward for me to get a healthy relationship, I actually am learning that I might want to remove the sex a little bit from the beginning of it because mm. I need to trust that I'm not being fetishized as a, a big girl giving head because she's a hungry hippo. Like mm. that shit is so demoralizing. Yeah, and they think that, well, because I'm calling you sexy. Yeah. I'm saying I want to sleep with you. Shouldn't you be yeah. happy? I want to fuck you. No. I mean, the worst thing the worst experience right is like sleeping with someone and then afterward being like oh that was empty right yeah like, it was it, you know and it, it's i mean it like listen if people want to get their kicks in i'm like all for people we, we've all been through our whole phase we're not shaming right? that at all right yeah. absolutely right and like there is something about the way that people treat your body when you're bigger that like you've got to love it to your toes and back because the world is never going to reflect that to you. Yeah. And you've got to hold that as sacred, right? Mm -hmm. And that means you get to choose at every single moment the way that you interact yeah. sexually. It means, like, what are the things that feel good to you? Like, even, like, the, the stretching and the, you know, like, what is the... What are the things that you do to be in relationship to your body mm -hmm. and to not numb your like, you know, and I think this part of being a survivor was like for a really long time, I had like my physical body and its needs and my emotional body and its needs and shall the two never meet. Right? Oh, wow. And, yeah. We, I call that leaving your body. Right. And yeah. like that disassociation and the process of coming back together again has been you know, like that it's rough, it's important and good, but like I can't experience things disassociated anymore. I use sex to get back. This is where it gets so complicated for me because I had an eating disorder, got down to a very, like they used to call me a greyhound dog. I was so thin, I was like a greyhound dog. Mm. Left the eating disorder, but didn't realize that my metabolism was so fucked up, I gained an extra 100 pounds. Yeah. And then I left my body and realized I had to get back into my body and I used sex to come back into my body, mm -hmm. only to then have sex weaponized against me to over-sexualize me yeah. and then take me out of my body. I'm like, what is going on? Is like, how do I figure out how to stay in my body yeah. and be a part of this world and still feel whatever? And you know, I read somewhere, this girl, this guy was saying, actually, if a man, what a man does right after he, like, orgasms is how he really feels about you. Mm. And it was a video of a guy like like looking for his keys and like talk, mm. like texting on his phone and ignoring this girl mm. right after they had sex and leaving. And I realized the next time I have sex with somebody and I'm intentionally dating them, it's not a, you know, fuck yeah. buddy situation. I'm going to watch how he acts in the hours after he's had mm -hmm. his orgasm. Because it's really easy to be really nice to somebody when you want to get your rocks off. Yeah. But okay. what happens after that's happened? When you have no incentive because you've already gotten the thing that you want. Yeah. How do you treat well, me? And that's like the when you are getting objectified piece. There's like, no aftercare when you're being objectified. No, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. So your boo has aftercare. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a good human, man. He's just I a really good human. I love this for you. Yeah. He's a really good human. I, You know, like a human, like any other human with their he's a person, yes. a person, right? Like I'm not going to, there's no like perfection there. And just a really good human. And I think some of the questions that he's contended with about gender and sexuality as a result of having, um, uh, you know, a, a, a relative who has gone through an entire transition. By the way, that was a gift to you because that means he's already been pre-softened for you. Yeah, like man. butter when you leave it out. Yeah, yeah. The universe pre-softened him for you. I love yeah. that. You know, it's, and like, and willing to do the work, right? Like, I think that there's a way to be performative in those situations too, right? I'm like, an ally, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I just, I don't know. I I want that wholeness for people. Like, and, and not just, I'm not, I'm like separated from being in a relationship with him. Like, I want the wholeness that I was given in the last couple of years when I had to really hold on, you know, to, you know, when I, when I got long COVID, when I was, I, I did not walk out of a walker till February of the following year. Right? That's crazy. Right. Like that's. And by crazy, I mean, like, that's absolutely surreal. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, the last three days, I spent them in bed with my heart rate being at 140. And, you know, like, there are, like, flares that we call them mm -hmm. of, like, inflammation flaring or whatever. And I had to learn how, like, it was like, all right, you've taken all of these lessons. Here's the final exam. How like do you, you live with this and yeah. be supple and, and still have a full life? And Yeah, absolutely. And at some point in time, I was like, you know what? I am going to have joy and love and pleasure and happiness yeah. and excitement, even if I am living in a body that is has a disability and a chronic illness, right? Like that, I will not tie my production to my value and I'm going to live out like loving and celebrating it because it survived a hurricane your body your body you're a walking miracle and i think a lot of times i tell people all the time like give yourself credit for being a walking miracle yeah. like everything there's an old quote by i think louise clifton um let's cheers that everything up until this point that's you know tried to kill us has failed yeah. everything that's tried to kill you up until this point has failed Absolutely. and that's a good reason to celebrate Listen. any fucking day of the week i'm so happy you were here for those who have somehow dehumanized objectified or othered people living with long covid the folks are like well i know it's like bronchitis it's no big deal no it's not yeah. so what would you say as the final work as we're wrapping up god i wish we could have yeah. longer what would you say to all those folks who think covid is over quote end quote we're in an endemic now not a pandemic and it's no big deal and so mm -hmm. what who cares what would you want to say to them who are going to be stunned listening to this and realizing that they, they might have been more callous than they thought yeah uh, i mean part of learning how we live with this quote unquote is how do we do the things we need to do to protect the least uh immunized of us right yeah. like this isn't this isn't about just your ability to walk free in the world. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, yeah. It's about whether or not someone who's immunocompromised can walk into a grocery store and 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 without the specter of death hanging over their head, right? And mm. And like, how do we, and I get that it's hard to care. It's, I, it's, I don't, I want to be in community. People are I tired wanna, and they're yeah. like, I don't, I don't have the, I want to be in joy. Right. Like I've just finished planning a conference 
um, where we really took a lot of where it's all outdoors. People are masked outdoors to like prevent spread. Everyone's getting a test in the morning. You know what I mean? Like there are ways to plan that. that include immunocompromised people and people who are going to struggle. And you don't actually know if that like it's the whole last two years has been like a one big game of Russian roulette. To Absolutely. Me, right. And like. I never knew which move I was going to make was going to make me worse or make me better. And I actually think it's been a big game of Russian roulette for everybody. But just because the bullet has not been in the chamber for you does not mean the bullet is not in the chambers. Yep. Oof. Carla. They just shut down Shanghai two weeks ago do you with believe, another do you, Are you part of the group who thinks that another surge might be coming? Oh, yeah. I know it is. All right. Um, what was my final work? Because we went through a lot. We did. I love you. I love I, you I too. I fucking girl. love you seriously. Like you're <laughs> such a good guest because I feel like we covered so many topics. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some people who I would have had on the show where I would have been nervous taking them so many places and had them. But I knew that you were going to be able to. I don't want to say keep up because that seems a little bit elitist. But you were going to be able to be okay doing that dance with me. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had to think about a final word that I want to share with folks, um. I'm going to have a moment of vulnerability. I think I tweeted about this uh, earlier, about how I was in a space yesterday where someone asked my friend about something, about someone, and my friend was like, oh, I didn't hear anything she said. I was too busy looking at her perfect body. And yeah. as a woman, not just as a plus-size woman, so it's not about yeah. the whole fat thing, but as a woman, there was an emptiness to that statement that really made mm -hmm. me sad. Like, I went home sad hearing mm -hmm. that, like... You didn't hear anything she said because you were too busy focused on her perfect body. First of all, what's the perfect body? And second of all, really? Um, it just really made me think about how 20 years ago, how much more painful it would have been to me. Mm. And so I just want everybody to stop and think. I know we live in L.A. where everybody's superficial and everybody wants to be perfect and everybody's getting surgery. But one of the things I wrote today that I'm really just kind of sitting with and a lot of people have reacted to is don't worry about being perfect. I want to be better than perfect. I want to be whole. Right. Yeah. Being whole is so much better than the perception of of being perfect because perfect mm, actually doesn't mm. exist. And so I just want everybody listening to this, whether they're thinking about Carla talking about long COVID and having the supple thoughtfulness to think about others, not just thinking about yourself, or you're dating and you're in a body that is not conventionally clapped for and figuring out how to get fucked and loved and fight and do all those things properly and still mm -hmm. thinking you're worthy of a partner. Or you're looking at, you know, people who are saying just work harder. Because mm -hmm. that's why you're poor, you dummies. You just you're lazy. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm always gonna ask myself: Do I get to be whole in this yeah. space? And if I'm not whole, how do I get to a place of wholeness? Because yeah. I think being whole is something that all of us are quietly trying to figure out right now. Because I yeah. think the last two years has chipped away so much out of us. Yeah. Ooh, Carla, you're amazing. Tell everybody yeah. how they can find you and stay connected with you. Because I think you're you're dope. Um. Uh, you can look at my Twitter. It's uh, Carlita, K-A-R-L-I-T-A, Liliana, L-I-L-I-A-N-A. I, uh, I love that you said it. You said, yes, I want to do a little singing. And by the way, Carla, a lot of Carla, you know a lot of people. You've been playing modest. Um, Carla's a big deal. She does a lot of amazing work. Um, the past 14 years watching you do amazing work in all these different sectors and I'm just so fucking proud of you all the goddamn time. The whole point of this show was to bring people on that I want to give their flowers to their face. Mm. Um, and then one of the things that I will say, too, we were talking about the Latinx community before we go, is that because of how I look, when I tell people that I'm Haitian and Cuban, they're like, oh, you're Haitian. I said, no, I'm Haitian and Cuban. Like, no, you're Haitian. Haitian. 
And I realize it's because they 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 don't want to include me in the Latinx experience. And there have been so many times where there's been Latinx things happening where you made it a point to <laughs> invite me as the Celia Cruz of the, of the group. And you've always been mindful. Well, I don't know if you've been mindful, but you've never made me feel excluded from that community. Because you're a part of it. But it's a community that often tries to push me back I out. Agree. Right? I agree. And they're like, well, you don't speak enough Spanish. I'm like, really? I don't think I think my father being Cuban's enough. Yeah. So I just want to thank you for that because I don't mm. I think a lot of like Afro-Latin people, especially the Americanized ones, who can't do performative culture things and roll their R's enough to be mm -hmm. loved on, it helps sometimes just to have someone else in your community say, yeah, you belong, you're one of us. Listen, when you are, I believe it is absolutely fundamentally necessary for white Latinx people to be making Latinidad a coalition that doesn't take advantage of black culture but embraces and loves on its black people yeah and Oof. like my family looks from your shade to mine right? my uncle looks just like you right? yes. you <laughs> so you want to, we understand like it's a that's that's part of the history of being from a culture where like everybody gets in mixed right like <laughs> latin I, culture is so mixy <laughs> i remember well i remember someone a, a white person once said to me like you know it'll all just get better once everyone mixes and i was like have you met latinx people we've already done like, that yeah we've done that <laughs> and, and we're actually the most racially like fucked up sometimes yeah, so that's not the dude, answer that is not the answer being colorblind uh, means you don't see the listen, black people <laughs> i've been doing trainings with non-black latinx people about anti-blackness oh <laughs> you're doing the lord's work okay on that note please now if you, if you weren't sold before for that alone <laughs> you should follow carla because that y'all think the latinx community is about where y'all uh, the african-american and, and american community was probably like in 1973 we're about yeah. 30 40 years behind it's time to bring us up so please rear. support people like her who are trying to bring our people into the future or the yeah. present to be perfectly present. honest uh, this is Humanized. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Um, I will be doing more shows in April. I've been doing them bi-weekly, but this show, I was like, no, I'm going to make sure that we make time for Carla. Carla, when you come back, I'm going to ask you what you want to talk about because I want to give you some time to give me a I feel like there's too much for us to talk about. You're going to have to help, <laughs> you're gonna have to help me with the itinerary next time. <laughs> I love you for coming. Thank you guys for watching. Bye. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.